You are entering the Freedom Hut. Hey, everybody. We're going to hit a Freestyle Friday coming up here in just a moment. They have been telling us nonstop for 24 hours, no bias, no bias in the Inspector General report. Here's the problem. I've been reading through this report, and all I see is bias, bias, and more bias. So what is with this all-out assault on the truth? How is it they can get the analysis so wrong? Oh, here's a hint. They are running scared and hoping to move on past the subject. We'll talk about that and everything else that we need to on today's news cycle. Coming up. This This is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Live from NYC on this Friday. Spent a little time in the Big Apple. Wow, we have some things to discuss. You know, there were all these leaks going on before the Inspector General report came out yesterday. They're saying no political bias, no political bias. I'm saying this, this is, there's so much uniformity in this response. It's almost like it's a strategy deployed to get people to think about it a certain way so that when they actually read the source document, they'll already have a conclusion in mind. Trying to prejudice the sense of any reader before they get a chance to actually read it. That seems quite troubling to me. And and then you have just the general sense from folks. There was one actually... Uh, I, I won't name her. She does not deserve to be named on the show. But a, a legal analyst at CNN who wrote uh, effectively on Twitter, um, I'm already bored by the IG report. The big story is really the lawsuit by the attorney general of the state of New York against Trump's charity or something. I mean, that really that really sums it up pretty well over at over at uh, CNN. Uh, fake News Central. They they have people that are that are really just going to take that stance. Yeah, this IG report, nothing to see here. There's so much to see here that I'm going to have to refrain from just doing like an hour a day for the next two weeks on the IG report. I've been reading through it. I haven't finished it yet. I'm going to finish it this weekend. See, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't get through all whatever it is, 500 pages, but I have been reading and reading and reading when I can uh, and and picking up more and more excerpts of it. And the more you spend, the more time you spend reading the inspector general report, the more dysfunctional, politicized and uh, disgraceful. You find much of the conduct that was going on at the uh, at the FBI with this cabal. Remember, it's the cabal. There's a rotten layer of management of senior personnel. It's not, you know, folks who are listening, the FBI field office in, you know, Dallas, L.A., Chicago, Charlottesville, wherever. I don't know. If they, I don't know where they even have all the field offices. Point is not about you. It's not not about the folks who are out there doing the work. Day in and day out. This is about the D.C. leadership of the FBI and the Department of Justice under the Obama administration and holding them to account for their actions. And the dishonesty from the media about this is just appalling. It's appalling. They have been running around with hair on fire telling these crazy fables about Russia collusion and and, and just breathlessly reporting on every aspect of the Mueller probe you know if Mueller's team decides to go out and buy additional copy paper or something it's oh my gosh Mueller's team on the move 
And then we get this report, and it shows people who are in senior roles in the investigation of Hillary's email who are unhinged in their hatred for Trump. Unhinged. And we're supposed to just move past it. A lot of stuff like this. I expected a sledgehammer. We just got the same kind of hammer you used to nail in a, uh, a painting on the wall. I was surprised at how mild it was. If you look at this assault on the FBI that has taken place over the last year and a half, that has been the, the you know the clarion call of some of the opposition saying that you know these are crooks, they're corrupt, they tried to throw an election. This report does not say that. First and foremost, anyone who is hoping to use this report to undermine the Mueller probe or prove the existence of a deep state conspiracy against President Trump will be sorely disappointed. I think this is an example where the system worked. The report provides no basis for the GOP to challenge the legitimacy of the Mueller investigation. It must continue unhindered. It's deeply disturbing that the Republicans remain obsessed with undermining our intelligence and law enforcement agencies. The decisions described in the report all helped Donald Trump win the election. No political bias influenced the decision-making uh, at either the FBI or the Department of Justice. All of that analysis, all those statements are laughable and deeply, deeply dishonest. The people saying it are either feeling compelled for reasons of you know their audience and trying to keep their privileged purchase in the media to be untruthful or they're idiots. You read through this report and you see time after time that bad conduct is cited, bad judgment is cited. The idea that there's no bias. Bias means a prejudice against a person or a thing, right? That, that That is what bias is. When you have people saying that they want to stop a president from winning an election who are government officials involved in investigating his opponent. When you have people who are saying that they cry and they're terrified and they know what's going to happen, that is bias. You know, crying because Trump won is the definition of bias. So we are now at a point where we are redefining words. You'll notice some of the straw men set up there for those who are this was in that soundbite we played for those who thought that this was going to say that the deep state has destroyed America. Like it does not say that. Yeah, you idiot. We know it doesn't say that. No one says that it actually literally says that. But that's the impression you get from the actual report. That's what you see. If it's not a deep state to have senior government officials who think that they can overthrow and undermine and the will of the people in an election, well, what is it? And as, as I, I, I put this out on Twitter, too, and then I saw some others following, following suit. Maybe they others said it before me, too. I'm just saying this is definitely out there now. Not a single instance of bias they can point to in favor of Trump. That seems strange, doesn't it? Not one person who's like Hillary is a garbage person who should not be president, and I'm going to stop her from being president. Not one. I would offer to you that if they found any of that, wouldn't they want to include that? Wouldn't that be somewhat exculpatory for the obvious politicization of the FBI that was ongoing during this whole thing, right? If you could show, people keep saying, well, people ought to have opinions, ought to have opinions. Okay. Does everybody in the FBI have these 
crazy opinions where they want to use their position to try to influence the election, show me it on both sides. They can only show me it on one side. And they, they, I know there's been referrals, and that's another part of this, too. They're saying, oh, well, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know about the other five FBI agents who have been referred, what the extent was of their bad act, back actions and activity. How bad was this problem identified in the report of FBI agents taking gifts from members of the press for confidential information? Folks, that's like spy tactic stuff, you know, giving people stuff to get information they're not supposed to have. That is highly, highly unethical for FBI agents. And by the way, if it involves any classified information, it's illegal. And I also think it calls into question the ethics of journalists, too. You're going to pay for classified now? That's if that we, we don't know if they paid for classified, but they're going to look into this. But if that happened, now you're talking about stuff that feels more like uh, conspiracy in a criminal sense. Now, now you're going beyond just I'm trying to gather facts. You're, you're going to pay for classified information. That's what like Russian spies used to do. So it strikes me as uh, we need to look at this a lot closer than we have been. And we're going to have many more answers. But I am I am sitting around here. It's it's like it is like I'm just in some alternate universe where people are going on. You know, that guy who said, you know, I. I thought it'd be a sledgehammer, but it was a it was a little hammer for the whatever thumbtack. Are you kidding me? It says that Comey was way out of line, was insubordinate. McCabe should have been fired. McCabe was, you know, McCabe's a liar. I mean, all the things that we know now. And then these text message exchanges that show these FBI agents just on on FBI devices. We're not even talking about their private communications, folks, on their own devices. We're talking about FBI devices. Anybody who says that an FBI agent involved in the investigation of Hillary Clinton during the campaign for her to be president of the United States, that that FBI agent saying to somebody else, don't worry, we'll stop it, that that is not a huge deal, is a moron or a liar. There is no third option. And this is what I realized, though, now they're just, you know, they complain so much about. Uh, you know, a little exaggeration here or there from the president. Oh, he's lying. Oh, he's so terrible. This is the kind of lie that matters. That this report doesn't show any bias. I'm sitting here like uh, it's just bias. One instance of bias after another. Here's one thing from CNS News that we picked up. One of the four FBI case agents working on the Hillary Clinton email investigation, who was also one of the two FBI agents who interviewed her at the conclusion of that investigation, triumphantly referred to Clinton as the president four days after the interview, four months before the election. Later on election day, in an instant message exchange with another FBI agent who had also worked in the Clinton FBI, uh, on the Clinton investigation, this FBI agent declared, screw you, Trump. The other agent said in the same instant message exchange, You should know that I'm with her, as in the Hillary phrase of the campaign. Folks, this is way beyond what would be acceptable for any government employee. Never mind people who are work, who are investigating these people. I, I look at this and I say, how does anyone how does anyone come to a conclusion that this is not a huge deal? You got FBI agents writing Viva la resistance. 
or vive la resistance, sorry. Kind of mixed Spanish and French there. Uh, but these people are saying there was no bias at the FBI, no bias, no evidence of bias. That's a talking point from a left. That's a lie, too. There's bias all over the place. All they're saying is we they were not able to uncover political bias that led to specific actions in violation of FBI protocols and policy. That doesn't mean there's no bias, period. There's bias all over the place. I sit here and just, it is appalling. It's appalling. It really is. And, you know, you look at this and the the disdain that some of these FBI agents have for Trump voters. Um, You know, but this always brings me to conservatives, people on the right. We just we keep, you know, and I think it's because our religion is not our politics for the left. Politics is is religion and religion is politics. It's they've that part of the mind and and the soul that we we fill with. Uh, a spiritual connection to God or whatever, you know, Buddha, whatever it is you believe in. And the left replaces that all with with politics and the state. And that's just the way their ideology works. That's the way that it goes. And so they are unable to step back from these things and say, you know what, there are more important things. There's, there's other things at stake here. I, I don't have to change everything about myself to try to bring a, a certain political outcome here. You know, I don't have to throw away my career, throw away my integrity. That's what we see going on here. Anyway, I, I want to hear from all of you about this report. I'm I'm in shock today at just how dishonest. Here we go. Breaking news, CNN. Cohen signals openness to cooperate with feds. They just keep running that story. They've been running that story every day this week. There's nothing, there's nothing new. It's not breaking news. They just want to talk about Cohen. Oh, he's going to get prosecuted. He's going to get prosecuted. Not a lot of text message exchanges popping up on the screen for CNN between these different FBI agents. They don't want to focus on that. They don't want to focus on the IG report. Man, I am. It is, it is a crazy world we live in right now with, with the way that this stuff is presented and what they're trying to hide. I want to hear from all of you. What do you think about the IG report? It's also Friday, so we can talk about whatever you want. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. The Freedom Hunt from NYC, my friends, continues in just a few. Now we're through the looking glass here, people. White is black and black is white. From the movie JFK, courtesy of John right there. Yeah, we are through the looking glass right now. Nothing is nothing is making sense. It's people just lying about everything. Uh, Trey Gowdy understands what's happening here, though, right now. Just what a dark day it is for the FBI and the DOJ, two institutions our country desperately needs. We desperately have to be able to have confidence in them. And this level of bias and animus, uh, not only did he want to stop the Trump campaign, he wanted to stop the Trump presidency. Chris Ray, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Chris, there are consequences. The consequences are that your fellow citizens question whether or not they can have confidence in the world's premier law enforcement agency. And that's coming from somebody who's defended him a lot throughout his career. This was a bitterly disappointing report. There's a Trey Gowdy that I like. It's like it's like Trey. It's like Trey's back all of a sudden. It's like he wandered off for a little while. You know, he was doing some experimental band, but now he's back to playing the hits, you know? 
I, that's what that's the trade guy I like to see. I, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself. So now, are we really going to redefine what the word bias means? Is that where we are? Is bias no longer something that is an objective thing that is or is not, uh, or or at least the definition of it has it just disappeared? No longer around. You cannot read the support and think that it had no bias. By the way, I, I spoke to uh, Rudy Giuliani this morning uh, on Rising, my new show, which uh, is out of D.C., as you know. Hill.tv slash Rising. If you want to check out the clips of it. Uh, but uh, Giuliani's running around telling everybody that, that Strzok should be fired. I just want to know, does, does anyone think that he shouldn't be fired? We now have an investigation that, in the words of President Donald Trump, has been a fix a frame-up, and a witch hunt. Every FBI agent should demand that that man be fired, and tomorrow, Mueller should suspend his investigation, and he should go see Rod Rosenstein, who created him, and the Deputy Attorney General, and Attorney General Sessions, who who should now step up big time to save his department, should suspend that investigation, throw out all the people that have been involved in the phony Trump investigation, and bring in Honest FBI agents, all those FBI agents who took gifts, gifts, that's called bribery, where I come from. You know, I actually said this to to Giuliani earlier today. When I was the NYPD, we were told you can't even take, you can't even take a a free soda from a business owner. You can't do nothing. You cannot take gifts when you're on duty. They told us they were very strict about it. In fact, we had to find out. If it was we had to get an ethics check on whether because where our office was, we got like a 10 percent just based on where the office was. It was kind of like for the neighborhood. You get a 10 percent discount at this one gym. We had to get an ethics check on whether even though we just happened to be in the area that got that qualified for the discount, we were allowed to take the discount because it wasn't allowed to be an unfair, you know, building favoritism with the NYPD. That's how seriously they take ethics. You got FBI guys with access to classified in D.C. taking like. Ball game tickets, folks. Don't think that this isn't this. This is going to stop. People are going to go to prison. I'm telling you. I think people are actually going to go to jail over this one, and 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 they probably should. I mean, when, when we look at the facts, we'll see. Got a lot of lines. Let we'll take some calls after the break. Eight four four nine hundred two eight two five. Eight four four nine hundred buck. Light him up. We'll be right back. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. They were plotting against my election. Probably has never happened like that in terms of uh, intelligence, in terms of anything else. But they were actually plotting against my election. The headline right now is... But I'm actually proud because I beat Clinton dynasty. Right. I beat Bush dynasty. And now, I guess, hopefully I'm in the process of beating very dishonest intelligence. The end result was wrong. I mean, there was total bias. I mean, when you look at Peter Strzok and what he said about me, when you look at Comey, all his moves. So I guess, you know, it's interesting. It was a pretty good report. And then I say that the IG blew it at the very end with that statement. I agree. There was bias, folks. You you can't show bias and then say there was no bias. Then people really don't trust your analysis. Right. And they showed plenty of bias in the report. No, no question about it. All over the place. But I want, I want to hear from you on this, uh, and we've got lots of lines lit. Remember, as we take calls, because I know producer Mike in there is like, 
he's like a, a human octopus trying to take all the different numbers down and uh, multiple phones going and everything else. But as we take calls, uh, spots will open up, and we'll try to just rack and stack. It's a Friday. I'm in New York. I'm in a good mood. I want to hear from you. Let's take some calls. Uh, let's go to hey, our buddy Felix in Pennsylvania. Felix, the tried and true caller. How are you, sir? I'm good, Buck. Shields high. Shields high, my you friend. Know, I, want, I want to make a comment. I believe that guys like General Michael Flynn and I believe Lieutenant Clint Lawrence we should, we should really list them as POWs of the deep state because what's been done in these situations is just incredible, you know, by an unpatriotic deep state. And I really would like to implore President Trump to please look at the plight of some of our service members like Clint Lawrence, who in the course of their duties wound up being charged and prosecuted and put in prison and unjustly, and in his particular case, the evidence is there to exonerate him anyway. I, I look. I, I think that this is why the pre- do we have audio of him saying that he's gonna he might pardon some people? But oh no, we don't. He sorry, we've got a statement of uh, of Trump saying that uh, he's thinking about par- or Ju- I think Giuliani said he might. That's right. It was Giuliani who said Trump may pardon some of the folks that are getting jammed up by this. I I like okay. it. I like it. It's hey, if nothing Can else, I comment on Eric. I'm sorry. Can I comment on Eric Trump? Uh, because what? this other thing that they've been putting out about the Trump Foundation, anyone who is familiar with Elvis Duran's show, for years, Eric Trump has been doing charity for St. Jude's. And I believe that 95 to 100% of the money went to St. Jude's, and he paid most of the administrative costs out of his own pocket. You know, So this other thing that they're trying to do to the Trumps, it's just, uh, it, it makes my blood boil. I, I have an I have an old friend who does a lot of charity, really good charity work here in New York City, and she's told me that uh, Eric has always been uh, I- incredibly helpful in in that community by doing uh, with charitable foundations and 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 is also a really good guy. I don't know Eric. I actually know Donnie a little bit uh, from when we were kids, but yeah, I, I got to look into what they're saying about Eric. They're just trying to trash everybody, though. It's it's such a shame. Felix, though, good to talk to you, and thank you very much for calling in. We got some of our stalwarts here on the lines. Doctor Rick in Maryland wants to drop some some MD knowledge. What up, Rick? Well, hey, uh, Buck Shields, hi, Shields, hi, buddy. Um, you know, we need your voice. We need the voices, all the conservatives shouting loud, all the evidence in the IG report that clearly shows bias. Because I, you know, I I, I travel in some circles with some, you know, really kind of high powered IQ uh, left leaning intellectuals and you know I, I can't believe how utterly deluded they are and and just believe that mainstream media and what they're saying so when i try to even talk about what you and others are saying they look as if i am the moron i swear they 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 look like i am coming from mars so we i we just got to keep repeating the message over and over no, I, I know. And, and you get you get shouted down and people say really nasty things and you feel like you're taking even social risks just by saying obvious, obvious things. You know, look, on uh, on my show rising earlier today, I started out by talking to Julian. I said, look, it seems like a lot of bias to me. And I got some pushback from some people watching saying, but there was no bias. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I don't. That is an analytic judgment. There there is bias right. that is shown in the report. In their analysis, they just say that they don't think it is biased, but 
That's not how that works. <laughs> like I, I don't have to. You, you can't present me with evidence and say, but it doesn't actually mean that the evidence is what it says, which is what they did. I've even heard, I, I've even heard that the, the, the view that the ultimate conclusion was really specific conclusion. Did we lose Dr. Rick? Did he just, or did that? Did he go? Oh, Dr. Rick, we lost you. No, we got to send in reinforcements. Get Dr. Rick. They got him. The enemy got him. Dr. Rick, send up a flare. Are you okay, buddy? Where are you, man? He's calling in from deep behind progressive lines, dude. You know, he's in Maryland. Maryland's crazy. Yeah, it's blue. You know, it's just like it's like New York with better crabs. That's it's politics. John, I that I meant the kind that you that crawl around and that you eat. Just getting, oh, gosh, get your get your mind on right there, John. All right, let's get uh, Sandy in Troy, Michigan. Hey, what's up, Sandy? Hey, hey Buck, I've been listening since day one. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, hey, thank you. Um, you know, I believe, just like Comey, that uh, this IG put that phrase in his IG report, that there was no political bias, just so it could be a headline. And so that our god-awful media could run with that rather than the details. And I think since day one, I mean, since a year and a half ago, everything has been so obvious what they do on the left. I just, and, and I've got some leftists in my family, um, so I don't repost a lot because, uh, you know, they're, they're Chaldean-Americans, and I can't believe they're left because they're very Catholic. And I, I, don't know, I don't know how somebody can be a devout Catholic and be a progressive in this. I don't understand. And I know that it happens. Amen. I don't understand. I, I really— I don't it, either. You know, I mean, you're, you're with a political party that is more united on the issue of abortion on all nine months of a pregnancy up to the moment of birth than any other issue, like the single most unifying issue of the Democrat Party is abortion at any moment, for any reason, at any time, uh, and uh, up to what is obviously infanticide. And yet Catholics, people think that they're Catholics and they're inf- I don't know. I don't get it. And I know throughout the campaign, I was reposting and texting stuff to some of my Chaldean cousins and. Uh, I could not believe how they were supportive of Hillary and so degrading of Trump. Like, they are just blinded on that side. Yeah, I know. And Sandy, I know it's, it's, it's difficult. But you know what? You always get to hang out with us here in the huts. You're you're with friends. I always do, Bob. All right. Shields high, Sandy. Thank you so much for calling in. Dave in Arizona. Yes, sir. Good to talk to you. Yeah, Shields high, Buck. Shields high. You know, uh, one of the things I always enjoy listening to is getting that perspective that you have from an insider view. And I just want to give a law enforcement perspective on as uh, a state and local officer uh, over my career. My wife was 29 years city cop. We train all over the country. And I got to tell you what, that that, that inspector general's report, what it shows isn't just bias. It shows the hubris of the FBI. And the same thing that Ray demonstrated in his little comments last night. I'm glad you're you're pointing all this out because it's very frustrating to those of us who have done the job and have our scars and uh, constantly hear this, this constant drumbeat about the quality of the FBI. 
the FBI is quality in a narrow purview, but to make them the nation's gold standard is wrong. Expand on that a little bit, Dave. What do you mean? I'm I'm curious. I really, well, I I'm very say, curious about years, your perspective. Ex- they, you know what? I'm sorry, but no, you go ahead. I want to hear from you. Right. Okay. I'll just my perspective is this: that you know, uh, over the decades, for instance, I was at Waco uh, as a reporting for a police training network. Uh, I, you know, I was with the ATF agents that were coming back from being shot up. The FBI arrives, throws everyone off the scene, and then in the 50 days later burns up the compound and blames everybody but themselves. That was, a, that was supposed to be a hostage rescue action. Where was the, where's the rescue attempt? Same thing in Ruby Ridge. They break all the laws of con, uh, confrontation and uh, put a green light on all adults with a firearm, and they go up there. And this is the thing. is They've, they've, they've always acted with a hubris, and they get no feedback. Law enforcement knows that these are the guys who will come and judge you for the Justice Department over the last eight years oppressively and now when they have to do some small reflection ray comes and says yeah what we'll do is we'll do a quick four-hour block on bias training to teach our people to be professional after all these decades dave i got i got a question i got a question for you dave because and again it's great to have somebody with your your perspective background is why would the entire fbi need bias training if there was no bias in the ig report i'm just wondering if you could answer that one for me because i'm sitting around having a tough time with it you know, this is what I mean by hubris. This is that ability to just deny reality. It's just incredible. And at the same time, to keep this, this constant drumbeat, we're the best. We're the best. We don't really need to learn from our mistakes. We'll just do a quick four-hour block on what, I don't know, how they missed that class in the academy about being objective investigators. This just makes me crazy. Well, Dave, thanks for keeping our streets safe, and thanks for your perspective on this one, man. Shields high, and I, I do appreciate the call. Uh, team, we're going to uh, come back to this in just a moment. we got a lot more next hour. We'll talk about immigration. We'll discuss uh, discrimination against Asians and one of the most elite institutions in the country. Uh, we'll do a, a big roll call rundown. All kinds, of, all kinds of good things. Good things coming. Good things. Be right back. We're going to train every single FBI employee, both new hires and veterans alike, on what went wrong so these mistakes will never be repeated. Third, we're going to make sure that we have the policies, the procedures, and the training that are needed for everyone to understand and remember what is expected of all of us. That includes drilling home the importance of objectivity, of avoiding even the appearance of personal conflicts or political bias in our work. Why would they need bias training if they had no bias, folks? Pretty obvious question, but the obvious questions are the ones we need to ask right now. Well, what's, what, why is that? A, if they found no bias, what's with making everybody go through bias training? Why are you even talking about bias? Because they clearly did find it, but they don't want to say it because if they say it, then they can't avoid the fact that people would lose faith in the FBI's ability to be politically impartial. Remember, this is about politically sensitive investigations. Most of what the FBI does is, you know, uh, stopping you know, major drug transactions, uh, white-collar crime, you know, credit card fraud, kidnapping, uh, you know, cartels, all that kind of stuff, right? No, that is not—no one's saying the FBI can't do that, can't be trusted to do that, or any of that. We're just saying when there's a political sensitivity— There is a clear tendency 
for it to go in favor of the Democrat and against the Republican on any issue, on any issue. Uh, and, and that's where I think we have, we have a problem. By the way, one thing I thought was really interesting today was uh, you know, Giuliani, who spoke with me this morning uh, on, on Rising, uh, he, he said, and this was just, a, he said in front of a bunch of people, so this wasn't a just a me thing. It was kind of an off-camera moment, but he, he told me that he hired Comey. I didn't know this. He hired Comey, and Comey worked for him as an assistant U.S. attorney for uh, four, four years. Um, and he said that he knew that he had a problem with Comey, and this was really interesting to me, with the Martha Stewart thing. Because that, and, and now that, he just said that. He didn't get into the details. But I, I said, yeah, that's right. Because that's when Comey realized that the power to prosecute is a, a fearsome thing and can be used for, pers- for tremendous personal political advancement. And going after Martha Stewart in that way was meant to make a name for Comey. Because they, they, were, they, were, they were harsh with uh, Martha Stewart under the circumstances. And, and, and I know people that were involved peripherally on that case, uh, and they said that, man, it was, it was rough what he did there. And Trump is being rough on Comey, as I think he should be. I have the greatest supporters in the world. By the way, they're the smartest. They're the hardest working. They pay taxes. They're incredible. By the way, I have the FBI. You go into the FBI and take a poll of the right. real FBI, not the scum on top, not Comey and that group of people that well, are total thieves. Most of those are gone. If you look at what happened, and don't forget all of these people like Strzok, what he did was criminal. Mm. Strzok and so many others, McCabe, they yes. all worked for Comey, and Comey knew everything that was going on. You think McCabe didn't tell him everything? I think Comey was the ringleader of this whole den of thieves. Mm-hmm. It was a den of thieves. Yep. That's right. See, he gets it. That that's the dynamic here. Also, when I was talking to Julian today, I was like, you know, I've been saying for a long time, people need to stop. Comey is not an FBI guy. He was made the director of the FBI. That's different. He's a DOJ lawyer. He's a lawyer and a very self-righteous and sanctimonious one at that. Comey's never, you know, gone into a drug house and had to, you know, kick in the door and and worry about whether someone's going to come at him with a sharp object or or a gun or that's that's so, you know, let's keep that out of the conversation because that's not what Comey is. And people are saying, oh, you can never trust anybody who pretends that he is the institution. And that's what Comey was doing with the FBI. Oh, they all love him so much. I haven't heard from a single I've been a, I was a DOJ earlier this week. I've been speaking to friends of mine who work at the DOJ. One of the great things about me being in the swamp now is the, the tentacles of the Freedom Hut are extending deep into the swamp, which is great in the sense that I'm I've got all my I'm, I'm running my little my little Freedom Hut spy network now, man. I'm finding out all kinds of good stuff. And then I get to bring it onto the show and tell you about what's really going on behind the scenes. So that's the good part of it. The bad part is that the food is like a, you know, like a B minus compared to New York, but that's all right. I, the things I put up with team to bring you the best show possible includes a, a dearth of acceptable gluten-free options in the restaurant scene. You know, really uh, Italian food that's like, you know, it, it's like the Italian food that you would expect in Sweden or something. You know, it's like they have really no idea what's going on. And I'm being a little harsh on the swamp right now. D.C. is it's you know, it's it's a little grown up now. It's getting a little better. 
But I do get to talk to people that are involved in the mix, and, and it's just a lot easier. One thing is I can see them in person, which for some of these conversations you really need to do. Because they, they definitely they don't want to pull a, a struck and start texting stuff that, you know, even if it's okay for them to say it legally, they don't want to get jammed up uh, for not being a member of the, uh, you know, Team Hillary squad publicly. Anyway, uh we got some more on this. We're going to talk about immigration coming up in the next hour and many other things. Many, many things, team. So uh, stay right there. Nine Line Apparel is a veteran-owned and operated patriotic lifestyle brand. Look, the guys who run this company are incredible. They're patriots. They love liberty, and they've built an all-American brand. And they're also people that really do a lot of outreach to the veterans community. They employ a lot of veterans. And they also are supporting their ideals with the designs that their gear has on them. Check them out for yourself. You'll see their T-shirts, their hoodies. They've got Second Amendment-specific designs. They have veteran support designs. It's an apparel company that I know is really going to resonate with all of you. I love their gear. Check it out. NineLineApparel.com. Go to the website, NineLineApparel.com. Use the coupon code BUCK20 to save 20% off. That's NineLineApparel.com. Coupon code BUCK20 for a great savings of 20% off. And let the guys know you heard about them here on the Buck Sexton Show. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One Make, Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. We have so many things to discuss here. I, we had a, a very, very astute, very interesting observation in the break from producer Mike that I wanted to share with you. Because I'm talking to you about the the cabal, the deep state. And, you know, I've always had a feeling you're going to find out that there was more Sally Yates involved in some of this stuff than we've heard so far. I could be wrong on that, though. We know she's clearly a hashtag resistance person. But Struck and Struck and Comey got hammered in this IG report. But there's somebody that I've left out of the analysis thus far that Mike brought into it. Mike, who, what do you what do you think about about who's at the top of this anti-Trump pyramid? Yeah, well, the, the last clip we played, um, President Obama said he said Comey was a ringleader, and I said to you, I I rarely disagree. President, with our, President Trump said Comey. President was Trump. Trump. There you go. Said that, and uh, I rarely disagree with the president, and and I believe that uh, Obama is is the ringleader. I don't think it's coming. I think it's Obama. And as the, um, the as the IG report mentioned uh, last night, it stated that President Obama was one of 13 individuals who Clinton had direct contact with using her ClintonEmail.com account. Play that, uh, John, play that clip about Obama lying, lying about Mr. it. President, when did you first learn that Hillary Clinton used an email system outside the U.S. government for uh, official business while she was Secretary of State? Uh, at the same time. Uh, everybody else learned it through news reports. That's a lie. That's a lie. I don't care who you are. If if you are used to getting emails from people on a on a .gov email address, and you start getting something from like Clinton email or whatever, you you would notice that. Especially, I mean, the the report about about Hillary's when when you look at what it said about her, they said she had special access program data that she that was getting sent around. I mean, that's. This is really sensitive, really classified stuff. Comey said that in his press conference. Special access program data. Highly, highly classified information. And and they just let it go. 
you see, folks, you can come up with a reason to never enforce the law, really. You know, if you can always find some either through prosecutorial discretion or nullification or you have to have the will to enforce the law as it is. And you can't pretend the law says something other than it is. Democrats are all about lawlessness and the pursuit of power. They don't care. But Obama and this this point that Mike brought back in the conversation is really important. Obama's much more involved in all this than anyone wants to to real ever wants to uh, talk about right now. All these officials that we're talking about here, Comey and you know, all the rest of them, they would have had to keep Obama in the loop about what was going on. By the way, you'll never get access to that information because they'll just say it's it's under executive privilege. It get fought in the courts forever. And one important point, and by the way, Giuliani was like, that's a, gave me credit. It was a very astute comment that I, when I interviewed them this morning and I said, we're just seeing the stuff they were writing down. You can't imagine the stuff because we all know those of us who have ever worked in Intel or the law enforcement community, that anything you're going to say or anything that you're going to communicate that's like maybe a little borderline and, you know, in the political realm or whatever, over the phone is way, because unless somebody has an active tap on you, it's like it never happened. Anything you write exists forever on servers. It exists always. They can always get it, right? So when you see what's being written down, folks, when you see what they're writing to each other, just think about what they were saying to each other about all this stuff. And then add to that what was being said to Obama in the Oval Office about the Hillary email investigation, about Trump and Russia collusion. And, you know, I understand we're making an inference here, but we have a lot. There's a lot of a lot of reason to believe that Obama was brought up to speed on this stuff. He was much more involved in it than we've we've been told. And think the lengths that they went to to help Hillary win the election I would offer to you probably pale in comparison to what a lot of these government employees would have been willing to do to protect Obama's legacy. I mean, if you really look, Hillary was always a half-hearted effort. You know, yeah, they wanted to be president. Yeah, you know, better than Trump. But Obama, they truly loved and adored. And if, if he is receiving information from Hillary, you know, we never really got clarity on this. Who had the classified that was getting sent around. And, and Obama lying about this, by the way, you know, they never will say things like Obama's a liar. They'll say Trump's a liar all the time, even though we know Obama lied about v- some very important things, policy issues. And he lied to sell policy ideas. Most notably, if you like your health care plan, you can keep it. That was a huge lie. And that was the biggest political lie of, uh, you know, of, of the last 10 years that I can think of. The media, but but if you say is Obama a liar? Oh no no no, you know, no scandals, scandal free administration. They're telling you now, completely rewriting history, scandal free administration, totally rewriting history. Um, so anyway, I'm I'm just uh, flabbergasted, flabbergasted. Yes, there was in fact uh, special treatment here for Hillary, as we know, there was special treatment. Uh, Bob Goodlatte brought this up. This report shows that there was special treatment given to Hillary Clinton in the investigation of her case. There are there is not uh, standard procedures followed in investigating her, uh, and there was special treatment given. There's no doubt that this was not proper process, and the report shows time and time again how Director Comey and others made mis- mistakes, errors in judgment, or deliberate. People can draw their own conclusions, but it was improperly handled. 
Improperly handled, to say the least. You know, one thing I've been warning about here on the show for a long time and will continue to warn about is that they are hoping to they are hoping to stall and stall, not just because they're afraid of the truth coming out, but because they think that they'll get to a point when they can finally just cover up the information. And Devin Nunes spoke to that issue. Um, there was information that we got today at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, that actually Chairman Gowdy had to call and tell me what it was, text messages that we had been asking for since late last year. Now, these are text messages that clearly were pertinent to our investigation into FISA abuse and the Russia investigation, whether or not there was collusion. These are emails or text messages that somebody held from us. So every day that goes by, there is a new example of obstruction of a congressional investigation. The same people in charge today still believe they can run the clock out and they're trying to run the clock out for the rest of this Congress so we can't finish our investigations. That is what they are trying to do. There is an urgency here, friends, to get the truth out, to get the information we need now because they will hide it from us the moment that they have the opportunity. And they will turn this all into one big uh, political circus with an impeachment effort against the president. Uh, I want to tell you some things that matter that you're not hearing about from the rest of the media, like how good things are with the economy right now, how strong the chances are that Republicans are actually going to stay in power, I believe. I'm not going to focus on a judge remanding uh, Manafort to, to custody because who cares? We got more. Stay with me. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing crimes out there. Brace yourself because having your credit card stolen is nothing Compared to the hell you're in for once an identity thief takes control of your home's title. Look, they they take your title, they replace it with an alias. It's not hard for the bad guys to do this. And once you know how easy it is, you're really going to want a way to protect yourself, okay? And your current insurance, your current uh, protection that you think is in place does not do it. That's why you need home title lock. It forms a virtual perimeter around your home's title The instant someone tampers with it, they're on it, and they'll help shut it down. For just pennies a day, Home Title Lock protects my most valuable asset, my family home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. That's a $60 value free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. Again, HomeTitleLock.com for a free analysis. When I got elected, I took this thing over. It was one2 and each point is $3 trillion and 10 million jobs. You know, a point, people mm-hmm. sit home, oh, it's a point, what difference does it make? Well, it was 1.2, and it was going down. You probably saw this morning I put out, they would have raised your taxes instead of cut your taxes, and they were going to put on more regulations. The last thing we need is regulations. I actually think my regulation cutting had more of an impact on the economy than the tax cuts. When you were running, you said for every regulation we uh, enact, I will cut two. Right. But you didn't cut two. That's you're, right. You're cutting a much bigger number. 22, it turned out. 22. President Trump was talking about 1.2%. According to the Atlanta Fed, you know, they, they model this stuff and they, they try to guess this current quarter we're in now, they think we're going at 4.8%. That's huge. That's mind-boggling. It's only been above that number once since 2006. Economy's booming, my friends. Important for us all to remember that because... You'll notice not a lot of focus on that. Much more, much more focused on 
trashing what the president says about North Korea or saying that he's way too, uh, you know, he, he's way too cozy with it. You know, they, they want to talk about Trump saluting a North Korean. Yeah, yeah. They want to talk about that. They don't want to tell you, though, that the economy not only is booming, folks, but it looks like it's going to continue booming. We, we've been told, oh, do we, do we have them? Uh, what, what would we have them talking about the no, no, no. Hold on a second. Yeah, I thought we had that clip. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Point is, the economy is really strong. There are no stories in the mainstream media about this. They do not talk. It affects you so much more. There are no stories about entrepreneurs that are crushing it now and, and employers who are hiring. And, you know, they're not telling you these good news stories. They are so focused in on minutia. It's dishonest. It's crap. One interesting side note that the North Korean uh uh, not president, North Korean general who Trump saluted. And I, people were just trashing the president for this. I'm like, look, I'll be honest with you. If a guy in a military uniform saluted me, um, you know, if if he did, wait, play, play 28 for a second. What did you mean just now when you said you wished Americans would sit up out of tension when you spoke? I'm kidding. You don't understand, Sergeant. Wait, wait. Who are you with? Who are you with? You're with CNN? You are the worst. You're the worst. They are the worst. They are the worst. They have really become uh, the enemy of truth. CNN. That should be the slogan. Uh, The enemy of truth. Wow, that's actually really good. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I might. I think we're going to stay with that for a while. They're not the enemy, right? I got. I have friends over at CNN, uh, but they are the enemy of truth as an organization. That is a fair thing to say. I think we should. We got to like get that out there. Other people have got to pick up on that one. You know, we got to get like El Rushbo from like from the giant megaphone to start hitting that one out there. That'd be fun. We got to pass along the word. Maybe maybe we can get Sean to tap into it too. Uh, anyway. You know, notice that, that they're so focused in on the North Korea thing. And Trump's just like, guys, you know, obviously Trump doesn't think that North Korea is a cool place to live. Obviously, Trump knows that these guys are the people running the country are dictators and they're savage to their own people and everything else. He's trying to save the North Korean people from the regime. That's the whole point of this. But you'll also see there's all this focus on what's going on in North Korea. They care so much about North Korea. You know what? I actually care more about what's happening here in this country. And what they're not telling you is that things are really good. The economy is crushing it right now. Removing all these insane government regulations is a good thing. It is making us wealthier and freer as a people. And Trump gets no credit for this stuff. Instead, they're all into the saluting. And, you know, that was about his comment about, you know, uh, he wants people to sit up or, you know, stand up the way Kim Jong-un. He's just kind of speaking about stuff. But they'll call him a liar for that. You know, this is what they do now. CNN's the enemy of truth, and they pervert the notion of truth and lies by saying, oh, you know, you said that uh, everybody knows something when not everybody knows. Yeah, it's a figure of speech, you imbeciles. Uh, But they're just doing it all in bad faith. And look, that's why I love when Trump calls them out and says that they're says that they're clowns. You know, even 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 Lin- Lindsey Graham. Hello, Lindsey. Lindsey got a little feisty today about Trump stuff, too. So if you don't like me working with President Trump to make the world a better place, I don't give a. Yeah, Lindsey. Spicy. I like it. I don't give a. Lindsey Graham. Serious. All of a sudden, I'm picturing Lindsey like 
you know, with some with like some chewing tobacco in his mouth and like, you know, a double barrel over his shoulder. And he's like, bring it, son. Let's, t- you know, let's make America better. I'm like, that's the Lindsey Graham I want to see. Lindsey served the Navy. You know, he, he can he can crack some skulls. I don't like this. You know, Lindsey's like, well, I just like the foreign policy. It's good. No, no, no. Lindsey, get in the get in the fight, Lindsey. I like to see that. I thought that was that was encouraging. He said that on CNN, too, by the way. You'll notice. CNN is suffering from a respect deficit right now, as it should. People are just like, you know what? Screw this place. For, forget about it. Forget about it. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I think it's a great thing. It really is. The day When they finally decide, that when, when they are finally willing to, uh, you know, be honest about what they do and who they are, then that's fine, you know? I, I hit them a lot more than MSNBC. It's not it's not actually anything about my time there or that I think that it's I saw it from the inside. I saw under the hood and it's disgusting, although that's all true. It's just because MSNBC, we can have an ideological argument on the uh, you know, we, we can enter the battlefield of ideas. And, you know, I'm wearing my uniform. They're wearing their uniform. CNN, they're the guys that are running around switching uniforms. You know, they're out of uniform. They're not covered by the by the political uh, pundit Geneva Convention rules. You know, they're basically cheating. CNN's, CNN are the combatants that hide behind women and children. And then they're like, you're such a, you're so evil. It's like, well, maybe you should actually fight for real and not do it this way. We're just objective journalists. We're just down the center. We're just being honest. Yeah, right, please. All, all kinds of garbage. I love it when Trump goes after them. I love it when he puts them in their place. People thought we were probably going to war with North Korea. If we did, quiet, quiet, quiet. If we did, (laughs) millions of people would have been killed. Put them in their place. Quiet. That's right. Enough. No more grandstanding Acosta stuff. No more of this nonsense. We've all we've all had it up to here. Look at this. They're they are pointing at what's going on the other side of the world. We don't have any we, we don't know if North Korea, if the North Korea outreach has worked or not. But we sh- sure as heck don't need people trying to undermine the president all the time. One interesting thing about the salute, and I was going to say this before. Is, look, I understand it makes people uncomfortable for, the, for anyone to salute a North Korean general. I think it was just a gut reaction from Trump, who when anybody in a military uniform salutes him, he salutes back. Right. He doesn't have a military background. He respects and and I believe reveres our military. And I, everyone I speak to in the military, by the way, who's a door kicker. I can't speak for the rest of the folks. You know, I, I, I mostly talk to door kickers about this. I haven't spoken to people that are in other parts of the military quite as much because I just don't come across them as much uh, because of the nature of the work that I do now. You usually have people who are, you know, in combat who are going on TV analyzing these things. Uh, they all think Trump is great. So that, that I, you know, so there's that as well. But I think that he I think that he saluted there as a just a. In reaction, but what's interesting is the North Korean general saluted the commander in chief of the United States Army. I mean, the United States military, pardon me. He saluted our commander in chief. And that was broadcast on North Korean TV. If you understand North Korean propaganda, you actually know that they portray Trump as a as an evil war criminal. You know, anybody from anyone in America who's involved in the military is supposed to be, a you know, a terrible actually a baby murdering savage that's how they're presented americans are presented our military is presented as being you know rapacious barbarians it's interesting that you have a uh north korean general i'm not saying it's like a be all i know but the north korean general saluting our commander-in-chief this is 
a data point that got lost in, I think, the shuffle of people just being all upset about this. Um, anyway, point is, you'll notice they'll they'll nitpick everything they can about the North Korea deal, about what Trump says about it, everything else. He just shuts them down. He's like, this. it's all a waste, folks. It's all just a shiny object game that they're playing when what really matters to you, the border, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes here, uh, the economy, which is incredibly strong, repealing regulations, which has been just magic in terms of what it has done for businesses and for all of us who are investors, who are who are working for companies, who are trying to start our own small businesses. They won't talk about that because they are wrong. Trump has been right on issue after issue. We are seeing the results of it, and they are wrong, and they can't handle it because they think they're in the business of being right all the time, and they think that being right all the time means being a progressive Democrat. So I, I, I'm here to give you more perspective. I'm here to tell you what I believe to be the truth about all of this and to also tell you who the enemies of truth are, and that's an important thing for us all to keep in mind. I do want to talk to you about the... Uh, situation at the border. So we have more on that really unfair, harsh, outrageous comments coming from the left on this one. We'll get into that. Stay with me. No, I hate it. I hate the children being taken away. The Democrats have to change their law. That's their law. That's the Democrats' law. We can change it tonight. We can change it right now. I will leave here. No, no. You need their votes. You need their votes. The Democrats, all they have to do. You control both chambers of Congress. No, the Democrats, excuse me, by one vote, we don't need it. You need 60 votes. We have a one vote. Excuse me. We need a one vote. We have a one vote edge. We need 60. So we need 10 votes. We can't get them from the Democrats. You know, they're just they're doing this because, one, Democrats just love to make the issue of immigration not about the law, but about every individual tearjerker of a case they possibly can, which I would say you could do with any violations of law. Right. Anytime somebody has broken the law and is going to be processed, they are separated from their children. Some have been pointing out, you know, no one's crying big tears for uh, for Manafort. They say, oh, he did all these terrible things. He didn't pay the government money that he made overseas or something. I mean, I'm not saying that's OK, but, you know, it's also not going to affect you or me, my friends. That's not he's not an axe murderer. Uh, but they're they're just running with this as much as possible. And it's because, one, they want people to skip beyond, as I've been saying for this whole show. They just want to move beyond this IG report. They threw up such a smokescreen, so many lies on this one. And, you know, you've got some Republicans that are also looking for cover coming up here on uh, on immigration because they want to go back to their districts and seem very pro DACA and very pro, honestly pro illegal, and it's it's troubling to me. Uh, this is not this is not what we who voted for Republican candidates and certainly those of us who voted for Trump. It's not what we signed up for. It isn't. It just isn't. And that we're even talking about an amnesty. And talking about changing uh, changing laws to make it more favorable for those who are crossing the border illegally or those who have already crossed the border illegally without a wall, without E-Verify. What happened to all these immigration policies we were promised? Uh, they were I feel like it was made very clear to us that we were supposed to get certain things because we had the House, we had the Senate, we had the Senate and, and the presidency. And it's not happening. Meanwhile, I mean, Democrats 
are just demagoguing the crap out of this issue of parents and children at the border. Keep in mind that they, what they won't tell you about are the parents who, because they think they'll be able to stay, are bringing their children into incredibly dangerous circumstances in advance of getting to the border, who are paying coyotes, whose children are being abused. Heaven knows what's even, I mean, you know, my God, we don't even want to think about some of the stuff that's going on, right? And it's very dangerous. There are bodies that get found in the desert. And this was all because there was an incentive that was put in place by the Obama administration. Obama administration policy became show up at the border with a kid, claim asylum, you all just, just wave your right through. So children get used as a, 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 a tool of loophole for those who want to be in the country illegally. And like I said, oh, OK, they're led into the country, but then they're not supposed to stay. So then they become illegal. Right. They, this is the, the semantics games that's going on. The Democrat Party's become an open border party. They won't say it and they'll fight and they'll say, no, we've got this militarized border and everything. They will not make the case that anyone who is in the country should have to leave unless they kill somebody. And even then, even if they're a serious criminal, even if they're a serious threat to public safety, you know, they get a little weak on this stuff. But they're not having a serious conversation about it. And I I see Republicans, the midterms are looming and they get weak on this. And I'm saying they won being strong on the border. They won going along with Trump on this one. That's why we had this election we had in 2016. You know, MSNBC and others are, are, like I said, demagoguing the issue. Here's the kind of stuff that they're saying. We can't find a solution to this problem without harming children, right. without and, putting and them I, into concentration camps. And I would even say, Stephanie, to that point, it's not even an interpretation of the law. It is a policy. A new policy. It is a, a policy that has been invoked by the president of the United That's States right. and dictated to his attorney general who goes out and quotes the Bible. By the way, a passage that was used to justify slavery uh, in this country, to, to justify encamping children. I call this a concentration concentration camp for kids, because that's exactly what is turning out to when you give kids 22 hours of lockup time and two hours of of airtime. What else can it be? And if this is where this country is going, the American people need to wake up and pay attention because your kids could be next. Yeah, I mean, that is just an outrage. The whole thing is just wow. And you get Mika. They're like, yeah, yeah. Mika, who, you know, is just going back and forth from like Palm Beach to Nantucket, uh, you know, the mansion in, in Georgetown. She really cares about, you know, oh, yeah, it's really keeping her up at night. Give me a break. Whew. OK, let, let's let's take this apart now. Let's actually pull away the nonsense. I spoke to the attorney general about this issue this week. It is it is a lie to say that they have changed anything other than this is what the law says. What the Obama administration did was say, we will not enforce the law on the books. That is a form of nullification by one political party in power, right? When you just say, we're just not enforcing this law, that isn't actually a change in the law. That is lawlessness. So it is not true. Republicans have not passed any new law. They've they've just said what Obama was doing was lawless. We're not doing that anymore. Now you also look at what do they expect to happen here? Is it now U.S. government immigration? Is it supposed to be immigration policy that if you show up with a child at the border, you 
don't have to go through any. Pro- you, you just get to show. You just get to come into the country. People are saying that there's a you know that there's a separation. The separation lasts for a period of hours while the person, and this is where they're also not telling you the truth about what's happening. It is hours while the parent is processed. You've seen the facilities that the kids are held in. I mean, yes, it is not a Ritz-Carlton they're putting these kids up at the border, but we're also not supposed to be having taxpayer-funded Ritz-Carltons for whoever wants to come into the country at our border. That's not what, I mean, that's not what I'm paying taxes for. It's not what you're paying taxes for. Kids are cared for. They are safe. They are They are given food and facilities and by the way all courtesy of of uncle sam no other country in the world does this not a single one no other country in the world says show up with a child and we'll pay for everything and you can just stay so and and when he starts invoking concentration camps that means a very specific thing to me folks and that you've got msnbc engaged in just such reckless demagoguery is indicative of how just underhanded they are in the entire discussion. They're lying about the the reality of the laws. The Obama the photos that were being circulated with all this stuff were Obama administration era photos. You notice how that got pushed aside. That doesn't really get brought up very much. And they don't have any answers here for what's really supposed to happen. Is it now a is it now a criminal act to show up at the border or not? Is is it illegal to come to the border? If it's not illegal for anybody with kids, I need to know how we're supposed to enforce that one, because I promise you, you have a whole lot of people more than you already have had who are going to say, you know what? All I need to do is just bring someone's kid with me, say the kid is mine, and now I get to stay in America. Yeah, it does. Does it do I feel badly? Sure. I've also been in refugee camps in Syria with children who have watched family members get executed. I've been in refugee camps where kids that have been through horrific atrocities are gathered together by the hundreds of thousands. And none of their you know, none of their neighbors are taking them in and none of, you know, no countries in the region are saying, yeah, you just get to be a citizen of our country. And we don't hear about how those countries are so racist all the time and so terrible. So, you know, this it's such an easy, it's so easy, and this is a classic problem, a classic fallacy of liberalism. It's so easy to be generous with other people's resources, other people's time, and, and feel like this won't affect you. And, you know, the, the, the Trump movement, the Trump folks need to hammer this point because this is what led to the wave we saw in 2016. You have these effete, elitist liberals that don't care what the law is. They just want to feel righteous. They want to be self-righteous. And they want to pretend that they can make the laws up about immigration as they go along. And, you know, their kids aren't going to schools full of illegals that don't speak English, that require English as a second language, that have bring all kinds of problems, trauma from their backgrounds. You know, we got enough problems in this country with the kids we've already got in public school, right? We we have limited resources. This is not. Or they can just say we want to be open borders, but they can't have it both ways. They can't say they're about rule of law, but they'll never enforce the law against anyone because they're so nice. That's not all right. That's that, that cannot be allowed to stand anymore. And I think we're seeing a point in time here where you need real pushback from the Republicans. But I'm sensing there's some weakness on this. Uh, I want to talk to you about uh, the the claim that I saw here 
about these movies that they're made. So we're 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 gonna switch gears here because now it's a Friday and I don't want to just be all intense and serious for too much of the show. There's a claim out there about critics being uh, unfair, unfair to movies that are uh, remakes of classics with an all female cast. I, I'll I will dig into this a bit more in just a moment. You'll see what I mean. Stay with me. The female Ghostbusters remake was a a two-hour-long visual atrocity. It, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen on film, on screen, anywhere. I mean, I, I, would, I would really consider uh, sitting along the side of a highway in the dark and staring at the median for two hours before going back and trying to watch the female remake of of Ghostbusters because it it was actually that bad. And I know people might say, Bob, come on, you're being you're being no. No, I might be too nice to it actually. It was it was it was appalling and it almost I I hesitate to even say this, almost ruined the original Ghostbusters for me, which is one of the greatest, most timeless comedy classics ever. You know, the original Ghostbusters, I I can quote lines from it like the back of my hand and or I guess I know it like I just mix metaphors. I, can, I don't think I can quote the back of my hand. That would be quite a skill. But you know what I mean? It's late, everybody. Leave me alone. Uh, no, no. But seriously, it, it was one of the it was a terrible movie. And it was just funny because you had this backlash of people saying, oh, and I think even uh, one of the original writers of Ghostbusters was like, it's just all the all the Trump. It was really disappointing. I think it was Dan Aykroyd, actually, who said all the, you know, the like inbred Trump idiots don't like the movie or something. And that's the problem. It's like, OK, well, what about the what about the half of the country that like worships Hillary and Obama? They, they didn't see it either, buddy. Everybody thought the movie stunk because it did. It was just a bad movie. We have the same thing here where Mindy Kaling, who just keeps getting pushed along. Everyone says, oh, she's so funny. And the Mindy Project, she's not funny. Okay, she's not funny. Uh, and, I, and I know there's a lot of everyone's trying to say, oh, she's so great. And we're, all, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like some kind of you know, closet misogynist or something. But, you know, there, there are differences between men and women. And I just note that you have some really unfunny women that keep being put forward as like the thing. What, what's who is the one from the, the HBO show Girls? which I did watch a couple of episodes of just for cultural, as a, like a cultural touchstone reference. You know what Lena talk? Dunham? Lena Dunham, who's, who's really like a, yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know, some kind of goblin from hell like over, over, uh, overtook some of the HBO staff and made them think something crazy. It was just terrible. It was awful. It was a really depressing show. She is gross. It's not funny. They keep doing this. But so Mindy Kaling is blaming the bad reviews for Ocean's 8 on, quote, white male critics. You know, do we have to be the punching bag for everything now? Like, is this really everything? Oh, white privilege. Uh, you know, the, I'm, I haven't seen the movie, to be fair. I guarantee it sucks. I guarantee it sucks. A movie that's based, you know, a, a movie that is a remake of all women doing what all guys are doing in the movie is not necessarily a good idea. It was not good in Ghostbusters. I'm sure this movie is total trash. Men and women tend to have different kinds of relationships with each other. Patterning a movie that's 
like a, a bro comedy, essentially, which is not what Ocean's Eleven is, but patterning a movie that's all about, you know, guys being slick, doing it with women, it just, it's not a good concept. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it has a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's with the social justice bounce. Because, you know, the social justice stuff will get your, you know, people will love your movie. And, and that's why you saw stuff in the movie with the woman who has, who has uh, sex with the aquarium pet. Which one best picture? What's it called? Shape of Water. Really, just horrifyingly bad movie. Not not interesting, not good, super weird. And the guy who's the main bad guy, who's like this square-jawed government guy, might as well have just had a, Ma- a MAGA hat on the whole time, you know? I mean, look, he was trying to... This The thing is like a giant... Seriously, it's like the creature from the Blue Lagoon, but it looks like a giant mutant frog and a swamp rat had some kind of, a, you know, cross genetic and it's like can eat people. It's got sharp claws. Who wouldn't want to take that thing out? It's scary, but he's the bad guy. You know, he's just there with his red MAGA hat on, basically. You know, oh, I don't like this sea monster. I don't like sea monsters either, dude. Sea monsters are scary. So the Ocean's Eight, Ocean's Eight is, I'm sure, garbage, and I will not watch it because I know that it is garbage. And that, you could say that's a stubborn and pig-headed thing to say, but I am a guy, and sometimes we're stubborn and pig-headed. Sometimes that happens. See, I accept that. I accept that there are some male traits that are common to all of us. Uh, I will try to watch. John, have you seen Cobra Kai? Did you see it too, Mike? What's give me the? We got we got like a thirty-second window here for a Cobra Kai review. Thought it was really good, actually. Yeah. I liked the way they did, uh, they tied it in with the old one and did some flashbacks. I thought two episodes in and it works so far. I'm excited. I'm going to check it out yeah. this weekend. All right. Cobra Kai on top of the, I know I've been saying for a while I'm going to watch it, but I, I don't have it. I don't have a TV and I didn't even have internet access in DC in my home. So I really have no time. And I'm working like 15 hours a day, like some sort of, I'm like one of these people that was, you know, making shoelaces 15 hours a day till their fingers turn like bloody and numb, except I'm doing it with. Digital radio and video content. I know. Woe is me, right? Uh, Third hour. Third hour coming up. Stay right there. Information is power. And if you want the best information on prospective hires, on somebody that might be leasing a property from you, a new tenant, or a business partner in a major transaction, you need the best in background investigations and vetting. That's where Global Verification Network comes in. They are federally certified as a veteran-owned small business. They're headquartered in Chicago. They don't send your stuff overseas. A lot of the big players in this space, folks, they say that they've got this big name behind it, but it gets the information and the casework is done by people who aren't even U.S.-based. Do you think that if there's there's an intrusion into their server or if there's some problem with the case, you're going to be able to reach them quickly? You're going to be able to notify quickly? I don't think so. Go to Global Verification Network. Just check them out. Call them, 877-695-1179. Again, 877-695-1179 or MyGVN. That's MyGVN.com. Well, we're here at Hour 3, my friends. Before we uh, kick off the weekend, we've got some things to discuss. For example, progressivism is incoherent. It's loud, it's angry, it, it wants to impose itself on all of us, but it doesn't actually make sense. It's not defensible if you apply reason and logic to it, and we see this in a whole bunch of different things going on right now. One of them, and, and I've been saying that for a while this was 
just going to become more and more common is that uh, the two. So 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 producer Mike, I've got I've got a question for you, sir. Um, the Connecticut High School Interscholastic Athletic Conference allows now uh, transgender athletes. And and so you are allowed to now be a a biological, which I even object to these terms, a biological male who competes uh, against females. So there are two biological males that compete in track and field in different uh, different different track events in the state of Connecticut right now. Who do you think won the state championship by a very wide margin this year? I know this is an easy question, but I just I just want to get producer Mike involved. Who do you, who do you think won? Yeah, so the, the men had to win by like a little or a lot. Yeah, by a lot. Right, because dudes are faster than ladies. Right, right. We all know this. Why do people pretend like this is in any way not something that we already know? Uh, and, and and how is this fair? If if I put on a wig and said that I felt female and were to compete. At the D3 level, I would have been an animal on the sports field, okay? I actually used to play in, because we used to, in the off season, we, we would play, like, mixed games of, of, you know, male and female basketball with girls from the team, male-female soccer with girls. And, like, the guys took it easy. I mean, and we weren't even on the team necessarily. Right. Like, you know, some of us were on the team. Some of them were on the basketball team. Some of them weren't. And, and like, this is just crazy. Right. It doesn't make any sense. We're going to pretend that there's not a huge advantage of having XY chromosome at every cell in your body or that to have testosterone versus higher levels of estrogen, all this stuff. It is crazy. Yeah. But here we are. I mean, could you imagine? Like, imagine you had a daughter that was training all the time for her high school track championship and a, a, a biological, no, forget, a male got, you know, got up next to her and then you all have to cl- uh, clap and cheer for this. This is it's what's insane. happening, folks. It's absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. And we all we all know that this is where it's all going. And we're supposed to like celebrate this? I mean, I, I always point this out. They I used to use as the example that what happens when we want to have somebody who's a, a male MMA fighter who wants to compete as a female. And that actually happened. And it was super dangerous for those women. Like these are biological realities, and we keep running into this. Uh, we keep running into this nonsense from the left on it, and I, the, the, what we used to use as the extreme examples to show how crazy they are, they now embrace as, oh no, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Let's ha- let's have men let's have men fighting women because they think they're women, which is what's going on here. And I will note that they are. Not saying that there's any biological deterrent. So it's not about, you know, oh, I have a higher level of estrogen or I was born with, you know, both sets of equipment, so to speak, because family show. It's not that. This is just deciding that you're you're female. And, you know, so now the, the, the number one and number two high school track champions in the state of Connecticut are biological males running against females. Yeah. I, I think that's also one of the things with progressivism that – we as conservatives sometimes laugh at is that when I, I remember when first hearing about this and thinking like that'll never happen. never happen exactly It'll never happen we're now in never happen territory all yeah. the time and now it's happening it's happening all the time uh, an- another place so that, that's just one and I, I saw this and I just had to stop and think to myself Whew, you know 
When, when, when do we get to put a stop to this? When do we get to say CNN, apples and bananas, right? That's their whole thing, apples and bananas. They had a, which, and I the, the president called them out and said CNN is a total fraud. This president's amazing. He really is. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, any, any hesitation or critique I really ever had about the guy, I, I, I formally retract, okay? He's, he's completely friggin' amazing. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he points out that they're, that they're complete frauds, and, and CNN is full of frauds. Oh, here it is. This is a CNN headline from today. He gave birth. He breastfed. Now he wants his son to see him as a man. No, these are lies, CNN. He did not give birth. He did not breastfeed because he can't do that because he is a woman. And, it, you know, it's one thing if we want to say for the, for the purposes of politeness. This was a headline from today. I'm not, I'm not like going into the archives here. Apples and bananas, CNN, not good at separating, it, separating out apples from bananas. It's funny that that's their mantra. Um, and they've also, I, I think that there's a, a recognition over there. You know, it's so funny. I saw today, uh, you know, here in the city, a, uh, a Fox News bus, or not a, not a bus for Fox News, but on, on a, a bus, a Fox News banner, and it said news and opinion, like news on one side. You had Brett Baer and a few other people, you know, uh, I think um, Shep, and then you had opinion on the other. That's just being honest. Okay, these guys are really trying to present just a newscast with other people presenting opinions on it versus people who are straight up opinion. CNN doesn't believe that any of their hosts are opinion hosts, which is a lie, right? Jake Tapper lying. Anderson Cooper lying. They're lying. They are opinion hosts who are also doing news. So why don't they just be honest about it instead of this? But then you see it, it filters down all the way through all the rest of what of their their website and, and everything else. He gave birth. He breastfed. No, no, these are not true things. These are these are lies. And I just can't help but notice that the the, the lies are becoming more mendacious uh, and they're getting more aggressive. Um, and so that's why I just I point out the the incoherence of their positions, because it's it's, it's indefensible. The things that they say, the, the, the positions they're taking in defensible and yet they they will try and de- and defend them and actually go on the attack if you were to say to anybody at cnn that he did not breastfeed he did not give birth that is literally biologically impossible they'd say why are you so insensitive why are you so mean why are you such a bad person i'm like can we just live in reality here for a second but no they they won't let us live in reality they would rather go through this uh, this pretense and they are deluding their audience, too. Uh, they are not presenting them with facts. When you are saying that, you know, men should be able to run against women and pretend that they're women in a track meet, that is not factual. That is not an honest position. Uh, and and that not understand that there's a massive biological advantage for those competitors. And when you say that a, a female who had a baby is a male and therefore, like, this is not the way it works, folks. As you all know, this is the most basic stuff. But while they're trying to lecture us about Trump and, and, you know, a fib here or an exaggeration there, they skip over. These are big lies that there's no difference between men and women really is a big lie that, in fact, they try to negate the very real differences as a matter of policy, as a matter of science. These are the kind of lies that are scary. 
because it's an inversion of some of the most basic truths in our society and a subversion of them, really. And that becomes dangerous after a while. You know, this is not opinion stuff. This is fact stuff. And they are in no position. The mainstream media is in no position to lecture the rest of us on facts when they literally when they actually I'm going to try not to use the word literally too much. They actually will not separate male from female. Honestly, that's a big problem. But uh, also racism. Racism is something that the left likes to talk about. Racism is a constant topic of discussion for them. Uh, But you know what? The only place that I'm aware of right now that is a revered institution that has tremendous, not just national, but global respect that is engaged in racism is Harvard University. Overt racism at Harvard. How? I will tell you about it in just a moment. I'm making converts down in D.C. I'm getting people to ditch the commie coffee and join the coffee freedom revolution with black rifle coffee. These guys are awesome, and their coffee is delicious. You should check it out for yourself. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. When you go, you'll see for yourself that they have a Freedom Blend coffee rounds option. They've got really nice, high-quality T-shirts to rep the brand. They've got Freedom Blend coffee. You can buy ground. You can buy whole bean. All kinds of different hats and mugs and gear. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Make sure you type in the coupon code Buck 15 at checkout for 15% off. It also gives a little high five to my friends at Black Rifle. Let's them know that Team Buck is supporting this brand and supporting this coffee. These guys have been with me from the earliest days. I really appreciate that they are a real partner. They've got amazing coffee. I drink it every day. You should too. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Harvard is racist. The true statement, Mike. The true statement. Let, let me tell you why. Uh, and by the way, I'm sure Amherst is racist, too. I mean, I'm not I'm not just picking on Harvard. I mean, my, my school was it presents itself as this very academically serious preppy enclave in, in the center of Massachusetts. But in reality, it's just been completely overrun by crazy progressives, more open Marxists on the Amherst College faculty than there were con- than there were Republicans. That's think about that. Marxist, buddy. I'm not talking like, oh, you know, Bernie Sanders, Democrat socialism, like straight up Marxist class struggle revolutionaries on the faculty espousing that crap to students. Anyway, here's this piece and and it's making its way through the court. So remember, the press will say, oh, we're talking about this. Yeah, but they have to report on it because it is news, but they don't take the necessary uh, next step of continuing to follow up on this and inundate the coverage because this is a big story. This is not a little thing. This is from the New York Times today. Harvard consistently rated Asian American applicants lower than others on traits like positive personality, likability, courage, kindness, and being widely respected according to an analysis of more than 160,000 student records filed by a group representing Asian-American students in a lawsuit against the university. Asian-Americans scored higher than applicants of any other racial or ethnic group on admissions measures like test scores, grades, and extracurriculars, according to the analysis. But the students' personal ratings significantly dragged down their chances of being admitted. This is, uh, that's the end of the quote, this is incredible. So, Mike, what they're doing here, what Harvard does now, is they 
because they have this quote holistic because they can't have quotas. That's actually not a, that's actually against the law. The Supreme Court in Grutter, I think it was Grutter v. Bollinger was the case, said you can't use quotas. We're not OK with that. But you can take a holistic approach. Well, the problem with the holistic approach is that looking at the applicants applicant pool based on the observable metrics, grades, SAT scores, extracurriculars, Asians dramatically outperform as a group the rest of the ethnicities. Asians dramatically outperform white students as a group uh, of applicants, particularly on SATs and and the most objective metrics that we have. So what do they do? The admissions committee at Harvard is straight up saying Asians are boring and don't have leadership skills. So we're going to take other people in place of them under our holistic metrics. You know what makes this even more interesting? They're doing that without meeting the Asian students in a vast majority of the cases. So Harvard uses, hey, the Asian students are boring and don't show leadership qualities as an excuse to take black, Hispanic and white students instead of them. If, if that is not racism, I don't know what is racism. If that doesn't qualify, because the, so the, so they had to find a way to do this internally and try to make it seem like, of course, Harvard denies this. They say it's not true or whatever, but I can tell you this right now. I've had a couple of friends on the admissions committees of very selective places. It is true. <laughs> this is exactly what they do. And you see this even in other instances. You see this here in New York City. I've been telling you all listening about this case. You've the really the most elite in terms of uh, SAT scores, which is not, I know, a measure of everything. But the most elite high school in the country by SATs is called Stuyvesant High School. It is 70 percent plus Asian. New York City public schools are not even close to 70 percent Asian. They're like 15 percent or 10 percent Asian. It's not even close, maybe 20 percent. But it's like way, way, way lower than the 70 percent they represented. And they keep on trying to come up with some rationalization. But what are they going to you're, you're going to have a holistic review process for a public school? I mean, that's just going to you're going to run into all kinds of lawsuits and favoritism. Here's the problem the left has. They've created a narrative that white people unfairly benefit from American society. And they've gotten away with this for a long time. So they've been engaged in what a lot of people would call reverse discrimination but they get away with it because people feel like, oh, well, you know, white people have it pretty easy, white privilege, all that stuff. But now average Asian household household income higher than average uh, average average white household income. And the the group that is most overrepresented as a percentage of population at the most elite schools is Asians. It's not whites. So they haven't. This is what I mean. This is what I'm talking about. The incoherence of progressivism. They don't have an answer or an excuse for this. Unless they're just going to fully embrace quotas. But if they're going to embrace quotas, then they're eliminating merit. In the, then they're admitting that there's not actually merit in this process. And that changes the whole dynamic of what these elite schools really are all about. You know, because then you can look and say, well, you know, were you. You know, are you here because we needed more of X or are you here because you're actually special? Right now, they tell everybody they're there because they're special. The reality is they're stacking the deck and doing stealth quotas. And the way they're doing stealth quotas is to straight up say, yeah, we think these Asian kids are boring. That's the Harvard University admissions process right now. They're boring without talking to them or meeting them. How they come and you'd say, well, Buck, how could they do that? Well, you know, they're doing it behind closed doors. They've been fighting 
tooth and nail to keep this data away from the public's eyes. By the way, if this were like, uh, you know, if this were some kind of, if this were a company and people found out, they'd be in all kinds of trouble. We give such leeway to these campuses. Harvard has like a 20-some-odd billion dollar endowment. These are massive institutions, folks, with a tremendous amount of influence in government, in private sector, and everything. You know, especially a place like Harvard, but it's true of Yale and Stanford and all these different schools. They are gatekeepers. You know, they have a they have a lot of sway in society, and for them to be engaged in this just goes to show you how deep the ideological rot of progressivism has gone. I mean, they're saying Asians are boring. Uh, it is a real wake up call for the rest of us that they're willing to be so blatantly discriminatory and then trying to hide it. These this Asian American uh, advocacy group that's sued Harvard, they're going to win. They're going to win. And this is how I think affirmative action finally comes tumbling down. This is how everyone realizes that you don't get to play the, you know, historical grievances game and try to engage in this balancing of who's been the most oppressed and when were they oppressed and who gets, you know, a leg up on somebody else because of skin color. That all has to go away. We've lived with it for too long as it is. The Supreme Court even said in uh, the Grutter v. Bollinger case, and it was Sandra Day O'Connor was like, at some point we need to get rid of this. It just goes to show you what a weak, uh, what weak jurisprudence is behind this. Think of another law that you're like, yeah, this is not really a good thing in the long term. But for right now, we're just going to go with it. You think of some laws that are really bad, right? You think of, you know, I don't know. You know I got to suspend habeas corpus for a little while now, just because. But I promise you, we'll, we'll bring it back. Mm. The history of temporary the history of temporary law is a scary thing. I'm not saying it's always wrong, but I am saying it's not something we want to get too far into. I think that we're going to see this. I want the Trump administration to put more focus on it, too. And I want a lot of folks to know more about the fact that the discrimination against Asian-Americans that's going on is what finally brings the spoil, the racial spoil system, as Justice Scalia called it. This is what finally brings it tumbling down because they have no answer. They have no excuse. Oh, what, now there's Asian privilege? I don't think so. We got a big roll call session coming up, team, so stay right there. Team Buck, it's time for roll call. All righty, everybody. I'm up here in NYC. Very much enjoying being back in my hometown, got to tell you, there's something something very special about this place, something very comforting. I walked out of uh, Penn Station, as producer Mike pointed out, the right Penn Station this time, not the one in Newark, which was quite a, as a native New Yorker to get out in New Jersey by accident, that's just, that's just wrong, man. Uh, but I walk out and there's just this hustle and bustle of people on the streets and the, the honking cars and people yelling profanity out the window at each other and all all that stuff. And it just feels like home, John. It just feels like home. And I'm like, oh, yes, I'm here. I smell that fumes of cars and pretzels and stale urine, you know, like that's that's my hometown, baby. It's how we do it. All right. Roll call time. Not just Buck talking crazy talk time. Although I, I will say that we will um, do a double roll call this week. That's always the, not this week, today, sorry. That's always the plan. 
Bill is our uh, first our first victim in this roll call session. He writes, when you do Hillary's voice, it cracks me up. I think for about 15 minutes a night, you could maybe pretend she is there and have a conversation with her. Hi, Buck. Do you miss me? Um, I could probably. People would think I'd really lost it, though, if I started walking around having a fake Hillary conversation with myself. I, I think they would think that I'd lost it. I don't know. Maybe. But I'm glad I'm glad you like the Hillary voice. That's kind of a favorite among folks. You know, the, the Hillary voice is definitely something that uh, people seem to be very, uh, very fond of, which I like. I think it's uh, it captures the essence of Hills. That that's true. You see, by the way, she wrote this tweet like, but my but my emails after the IG report came out and everyone just piled on. I'm like, why are you going to go drink some Chardonnay, hang out and go for walks in the woods? Do some yoga. Don't get in, don't get into the scrum. It's a bad idea. All right. Next up here, Rachel. She writes, hey, Buck, my husband told me about your show recently and now I listen via podcast. We have a one-year-old daughter, Adeline, and since I have the privilege of being a stay-at-home mom, I listen to your show with her during the day. Whenever I laugh at something funny you say, she laughs too. Oh, that's so cute. Uh, We are raising the next generation of conservatives, so thank you for your commitment to speak the truth about the media and political matters. Also, during your pre-recorded introduction on the podcast, it says you decode the news with actionable intelligence. I think that's what it says. But when I first heard it, I thought it said actual intelligence. We should probably switch it to that, which is still appropriate since the other media outlets just bash the president and uh, don't bring anything new to the table. Shields high, Rachel from Southern Cali. Well, thank you, Rachel. I'm glad I can uh, keep you company. And, uh, you know, that the, the, the baby laughs when you laugh is great. You know, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Dan, with a little helpful bit here. Uh, the Brits call the toilet the dunny. I don't know if that's true. He could be treating me like the foreign exchange student that you lie to about words mean, you know? I am a sex machine. Remember from, uh, you, you know, is I can't hardly wait? Cheetah. I am a sex machine. That's what the guy, they, they teach the foreign exchange student to say that. You don't know, the Jennifer Love Hewitt movie. You know what I'm talking about? Cheetah. He starts, he like, because he likes the, the, you know, the cheetah. Anyway, um, I have never heard of the Dunny before, but Dan, I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. I will say that someone pointed out, and it might even come up later in this roll call because I saw it, saw it earlier, uh, that Ducks in a Row has nothing to do with a shooting gallery, John. Ducks in a Row is for ducks following the mama duck in a row. Why did my mind go to shooting, shooting the ducks right away? That's That's on me. I don't know. I just figured that it was. Yeah, that's right. Duck hunt. The game was awesome. I used to, you know, I used to play duck hunt so much, and now I realize um, I don't like hunting ducks. It's just not. It's just not for me. I don't know. I'm okay. Actually, I'm okay with birds and fish. I can take out birds and fish, but if it's furry, and if I feel like it could be a furry friend of mine, I don't know. I, I get a little. I get a little. Uh, a little wimpy about about that. Next up here is Donna. She writes, "Whoa." long and buck because of our shared love of soccer i thought i'd share this information and then she goes in a long thing about soccer uh donna i'll read donna rather i'll read this on my own thank you for writing sean he writes hey buck do you even lift bro i say that because i drive for lift l-y-f-t oh a wordsmith here a play on words from sean 
I drive for a lift here in Utah. Today I had some ladies from California chatting about the homeless issue there. I thought the conversation would go lefty, but I was wrong. Do you think with all the progressiveness killing the state, can Republicans there take back the government? Well, you know, Sean, there's this uh, story out there about how California, uh, I think it's on the ballot now, could be split into three. Do you see this into three states? I just want the one that has Orange County. That would be the one that I would. Whichever California gets Orange County is the one that I would move to, I think. Northern California is not my jam. You have all the bad politics of Southern California, but it's a little cold, a little wet. And I remember being in San Francisco and it was supposed to be warm that time of year. And I was just it was just raining and freezing all the time. Yeah, not not a huge fan. Uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know if it's possible, my friend, based on the demographics, Sean, I think that California is probably lost to the left for the foreseeable. But. I could be I could be wrong. And, and this ballot initiative about breaking the state up into three, I don't even know what the process is for breaking a state up or, or how that would work. But I'll, I will look into it and uh, we'll see. I, I would just want to live in the O.C. That would be my that would be my uh, choice if I could. So. Amy is next here. Please allow me to nerd out for a moment in reference to your commentary on boiling water. The temperature at which water boils does change depending on elevation. Why elevation? Because atmospheric pressure. Why atmospheric pressure? Because of the ideal gas law PV equals NRT. This is why foods have high altitude cooking instructions. At sea level, water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. With each 500 foot increase in elevation, the boiling point of water is lowered by just under 1 degree Fahrenheit. Go women of science! Oh yeah, shields high. Amy. That was some impressive nerdiness. That was. That was like legit put on a lab coat because you are nerding out. So, yeah, there, there you have it. Um, Let's see what we have here next. Oh, yes, Dan. Dan writes, Buck, love your show. Sure beats blowing a paycheck, drowning sorrows. Sorrows just get pushed aside. TGIF. I love how some places enjoy employing lots of employees who do not care if the business succeeds or fails. Uh, I have lots of junk I would not put in writing. Love your show from Dan. Well, Dan, thank you. Uh, love that you listen to the show. Very much appreciate it, buddy. Don, next up in roll call, Cell Phone Apocalypse. Love the show, Buck. Keep up the good work. There's a movie called Cell with Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack where people's cell phones turn them into zombies. So bad, it's good. I don't know, Don. That sounds so bad, it's bad. I think there's also a movie with Colin Farrell who ruins all movies. And people go, Book, what about In Bruges? I'm like, okay, fine. Who saw In Bruges? Like five people saw In Bruges. And he's basically playing himself in that movie. He's like some Irish thug or something. You know, it, it doesn't make any It doesn't make it better. The rest of the movies that he's in, you're like, wow, why is Colin Farrell so bad? And why is this movie so terrible? I don't know how he was able to get the roles that he did for as long as he did. His performance in Miami Vice, which is based on a hit TV show. The movie was was made by Michael Mann. It's a really bad movie. I've happened to have seen it many times because it's on HBO. And I don't know. It's one of those movies. Do you have those movies, John, where you're, you're like, I don't really like this movie, but I'll watch it anyway. You know, it's it's on, so I'll watch it. I never seek it out, but Miami Vice has been one of those movies I've seen so many times. But he plays Crockett, and he has like a blonde mullet. This is Colin Farrell, and he has some of the worst lines like, I'm a fiend for mojitos. 
I'm like, who says I'm a fiend for mojitos? You know, who's supposed to be like a tough guy? That's like saying, you know, I'm a freak for apple teenies or something. Like, I mean, that's, I don't know. It's just, yeah, John knows what I'm talking about. That's just weird. It doesn't make sense. But there's a movie, I bring it up because there's a movie where he's on the phone the whole time. Like, he's in a phone booth. It might even be called, oh, no, it's called Cellular, I think. He's, is it? What's it called? I think it's called Payphone or it's, Phone Booth. It, I, I like that movie. You saw it? I never saw it. He's on the phone the whole time. How could it be a good movie? I found All it right. to be very interesting. I like. I it. don't know, John. I'll I'll take your word. I'll take your word for it on this one. I right. think he's a good actor. I I just John! his movies are not that great. Oh though, my gosh! But I do like that one movie. I'm just kidding. It's like a it's like a Freedom Hut ambush right now. I couldn't have seen this one coming. John John likes John likes that movie. That's a surprise to me. All right. Um, we got to go to a, we got to take a quick pause here. We'll come back finishing out the roll call thoughts for the weekend. It's going to be amazing. Stay right there. The show ain't over yet, folks. Here's where you take over. Yeah, it's got kind of a Miami Vice vibe to it a little bit. Keeping yeah. it real. Keeping it real. I love our announcer vibe. It's awesome. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. It's time for Roll Call. You know why I love our announcer so much, Andy? Because to me, he, he kind of sounds like Optimus Prime. Autobots unite. Remember that? That's right. A young Optimus Prime, exactly. Like Optimus before, you know, had a lot of mileage on him. You know what I mean? Early Optimus. All right. Roll call. Your thoughts, not my. Well, my thoughts, too, because, come on, it's a, it's a team effort here. Uh, gosh, I'm so excited to be up here for the weekend. I'm just going to. There's going to be so much Netflix and Thai food. And I really did make a mistake for a while when I was saying Netflix and chill all the time. I actually thought it meant to watch Netflix and to hang out. But Netflix and chill, as some of the younger listeners had to tell me, is in fact, you know, when I say Miss Molly and I are going to Netflix and chill, that's not what I meant, like watching Netflix and spending time together, you know, with food involved or something. Gosh, what is it? Get their minds out of the gutter. All right. Eric writes, Buck, um, you read my message and I feel make Porter money came across wrong. I meant I hope you earn Porter amounts of money. I worded that poorly. You deserve an increase in the pay for the work you do. Sorry about that. Shields high. Uh, Eric, um, no, it's all good, man. Porter's awesome. P- Porter's a, a friend and, and a mentor. Um, and uh, he wants he wants the buck to earn to earn cash, too. So, indeed. Uh, there you have that. Um, let's get to... By the way, I'm going to have Porter as a guest on the show soon. TJ, next up here. Um... Buck, I also I noticed Crystal was so this is about Rising, the new show I'm on, which if you haven't seen it, you go to uh, hill.tv slash rising. That's hill.tv slash rising. Uh, I noticed Crystal was able to sit in on the Giuliani Giuliani interview, but you weren't able to sit in on the Podesta interview. Is this at the requests of the guests or what? Perhaps Podesta couldn't handle a hard question from the Buckster. Uh, TJ, we're trying to see what the best format is for our, cause we're doing this show that no one does. Right. And it's both sides of the story is our mantra. So we're trying to give people both perspectives without showing one side, just get pummeled, like help, help, like, rah, like getting, you know, ripped apart on TV. Uh, so it's difficult. It's a difficult balance. We're trying to strike it. You know, sometimes it'll just be me. Sometimes it'll just be her. And I think sometimes it'll be both. Uh, and with Giuliani today, we went long on that interview because we had so much we want to talk to him about. And he's obviously a really, 
interesting, compelling guy. But uh, I'll just say, TJ, that we're still working on format. And it's look, this is an experiment. You know, this isn't just standard, you know, cable TV commentary show. This is a digital political conversation. And we're hoping that uh, folks enjoy it and, and get something good out of it. Um, Will writes, uh, hold on, what does Will write? Uh, for roll call, regarding the Hill.TV slash rising, are there plans to have a channel created for Roku? I have recently cut the cord in NYC and enjoy not having to pay Time Warner cable for mainstream media and leftist cable TV. However, I would happily pay for a monthly subscription for Rising through Roku, Apple TV, or other web TV subscription platforms. Will, um, let me say that you are very savvy. Your mind is in the right place on this one. And the answer is yes, I think. And I think I'll be able to give you a definitive answer on which one of those soon for rising, but I don't have it yet. So stay tuned is is what I got on that one. Uh, and that's what I can say on that one. Also, you wrote great to see Joe Concha on the show this morning. Joe is the man. Absolutely. I'm a big Joe Concha fan. Very, uh, very smart guy. Very nice guy. Uh, humble guy and a, and a helpful guy, which in this business of which is just overrun with egomaniacal uh, newsreader, you know, wackos, uh, people that really aren't nice people in person or or on TV. Uh, it's great to have Joe around. He's he's just he's just good. He's good energy and good analysis. He really is. Uh, I I can't say enough positive things about Joe Concha. Uh, Adam, Adam also has this idea. Buck, advise your higher ups at the Hill. To get a Roku channel started, do that, and I'll pull a Democrat and have you up on four TVs every day and vote quadruple for your new show. All right, Adam. John, do you know? Do you have a Roku TV or something? We, you know, we had Roku at the Blaze TV at GB TV very early on, and you know that uh, that didn't really we didn't really get much viewing on Roku. But that was so early; that was like eight years ago. I wonder if Roku now has become a bigger thing. I don't know enough about it. I don't know if about it. I got, I got to look into it a little bit. Um, but thank you guys. I, I, you know what? I'll bring it up with my team. We'll see. Maybe I've gotten so many brilliant, brilliant ideas from from this audience that I'm I'm always happy to. Ta- I'm always happy team to borrow your brilliance and present it to people. Like, hey, I had this idea about how we could build our platform. I give you credit. I'm like, it came from the team. Well, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Uh, one more here. David writes, Hey, Buck. The reason boys' math scores are higher than girls. Is there exposure to sports? Boys learn statistics from baseball, football, etc. Girls tend to participate in gymnastics and soccer, which is more subjective. It's also why boys are more adept at geography, because they learn where the teams are located. Keep up the great work, Dave. Uh, Dave, I don't think that's correct. <laughs> but but I, I got to give you like some credit for creativity, but I don't think that's entirely accurate. I'm not sure that's that's true. Oh, wait, one more here. Carrie writes, who has better hair, Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, or Buck Sexton? She writes, no, 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 Carrie. Sorry, Buck has the best hair. Disagreeing with Carrie here. She takes Tucker's side in the argument. I'm sorry. The Buck swoop is the best swoop. I'm going to leave you with that for the weekend, everybody. Have a great one. Shields high. Sponsor this half hour is the novel Anubis. The enigmatic U.S. president is dead. ISIS is attacking on multiple fronts and the U.S. special forces 
call on a mercenary cyber warrior to stop the crisis. This is Anubis, an aging Marine sergeant and battle-worn Army major face an enemy that turns the Internet into a terrorist weapon and makes our existing concepts of security archaic. A catastrophe of biblical proportions is about to unfold. The new president is facing a ruthless, relentless caliphate, and our military and elected leaders have no means to stop it. The only real questions are when and where. This is Anubis. Today's headlines show us what is happening in the Middle East. Author Eric Anderson reveals the frightening possibilities that remain in Anubis. Eric Anderson is a former undercover U.S. intelligence agent. Check out his new book, available on Amazon.com, or visit DunBooks.com and just type A-N-U-B-I-S in the search field. That's Anubis, A-N-U-B-I-S.